Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cranked and Ranked and Toto 2, Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) As usual, I am Steven, a.k.a. Old Head, or the other way around, however you want to do it. Um, And with me, as always, is Mr. Eddie Sparks. Hello, sir. How's it going? That is the quickest intro I've ever done. Did you hear that? Did you hear how I... that was incredible. (laughs) I I dove right into it, and I just swam away. They can't even find me now. Um, <laughs> yes, cranked and ranked. I don't really need to go into what we are. If you're listening to Toto Part Two, um, go back and listen to Part One. I don't know because we we're we're on the the upper half of their discography, the top seven, right? Yeah, top seven. top seven Toto albums. Um, and um, I'm not even gonna fuck around with this one because this is. I'm actually looking forward to doing this because I have to be completely honest. All of the albums in my bottom seven, I could pretty safely say i probably won't ever go listen to those again but this these seven albums i'm pretty sure i'm going to listen to them all again so um it's interesting it, it, we're, we're in the we're in banger central <laughs> as eddie <Awesome>. sometimes says <laughs> hell yeah um, <laughs> anything you want to say before we start uh i was just going to say that it brings me so much joy that I have shown you at least seven Toto albums that you will <laughs> likely revisit. <laughs> well, I think you'll figure out when we're doing this that there's a sweet spot with the band. And um, and yeah, like I did, I did sort of become really uh, um, interested in who they are as a band because of what they actually did. Because they're not... They, from somebody who, the one thing that if you didn't hear it in the last episode, before we did this, this ranking, I had only heard four songs by Toto. And then I dove in and listened to the entire discography from beginning to end. Um, and it's interesting because the, the random listener, the person who heard Africa on a TikTok video, they would have no idea the type of shit that this band did. Yeah. And that itself is interesting because usually I would say... Eight times out of ten, if you hear a, a hit song from a band, you can probably get a pretty good idea of who they are as a whole. And um, Toto's not really that band, so um, it's interesting. Yeah, they're definitely a, a diverse act, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, as we've been talking about, they've been doing albums from 1978 all the way up to the most recent was 2018 or 2017, something like that. It, yeah, um, it was 2018. And, yeah. um, and so they're, and, and as far as I know, they're still going a different lineup of the band, you know, with one or two original members, but they're still kicking it. And I think they already started another tour. Like, I think they've already started going out post pandemic and doing shows. Yeah. I, I, I have to be honest. I haven't actually like looked into the most recent, um, stuff that Toto has done. So I'm kind of in the dark. I'll probably, <laughs> probably look it up right after this episode. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really help us much, but, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, yeah, um, it's, I'm sure I'm sure the, some people who are huge fans that are listening to this they can fill us in with the details yeah. and what's going on with them now, um, because I 
just from the quality of the of, of of some of the more recent albums that they did, I think that they got more stuff in them. So you know, and yeah. that's that's something to be said because a lot of older bands put out newer albums, and it's so easy to just immediately forget them and <laughs> just be like, yeah. whatever. I'm gonna go back to the classics. But um, as we get into, there's there's actually a couple of recent ones in my top seven. So mm. um, let's jump right into it then. As usual, I let Eddie go first. Um, because he, especially in these episodes for Toto, because he knows a lot more about this band than I do. Um, and he has a lot more to say and I just sort of, I'm bouncing off of him on these episodes. So uh, (laughs) let's go ahead and start with your number seven Toto album. Cool. So my number seven Toto album is Falling In Between. Okay, cool. Now this record is a cool one because it kind of blends their heavy elements with their most out there prog moments at times and seeing as i i approach these from a track by track perspective i need to know how much of a holy shit moment what was it when you heard the first track on this album yeah um so so a good thing to point out is that this album came out in 2006 so this is a good example of a band later later in their career putting out a pretty damn good album yeah, that first track, there honestly, there are several tracks on this album where I kind of yeah. went, wow, like this is cool. <laughs> like, but just the, the fact that, you know, this particular album, I wrote down the word riffs on my yeah. notes because there are riffs and little tasty lead parts and stuff that they're thrown in. And like you said, the a little bit of progginess with like some time signature changes and, yeah. and you know. Instrumental acrobatics, as it were, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a fucking great song. Yeah, that opening opening title track, "Falling in Between," honestly is is probably the heaviest song they ever did. And I am gonna go out there and say this straight up is a prog metal song. You know, it's yeah, I agree. It's it's Toto doing a a metal song, and I fucking love it i remember the first time the first time i actually heard it was uh i actually saw the live performance of um falling in between which is falling in between live and uh (laughs) honestly seeing bobby kimball out front with doing those like gnarly like really powerful but yelled vocals oh it's just and there's like grooves in there. And oh. I, you know, I think I said this on the last episode, Bobby Kimball's my favorite of their vocalists, but he, he was the guy on the first like five albums. And then he ran first four. Yeah. First four. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I love his voice, but yeah, the fact that that's a big thing to say too, because this dude that's been singing for 30 years or whatever, probably way more than that. And they come back with this shit in 2006, and he just he sounds like he hasn't aged a day. Like, he yeah. sounds great. Yeah, he sounds killer. Um, oh, with dying on my feet. Is this, like, sass, sassy, jazzed-out, bluesy rock track, but with yeah. this, like, real nice solo in it that feels like it would have been at home on their um, 78 debut. Um, Bottom of Your Soul is a huge, epic ballad. Love that song. Uh, King of the World is this uh, fun proggy rocker. And then you get Hooked, which is a f- fucking funky hard rock track with some really progged out stuff in there too. Yeah. There, there's so much prog thrown into this album. Like, 
inexplicably out of nowhere. It just it just feels contextually uh, with the time. Um, I mean, I suppose in the mid two thousands there was a lot of rock still in the mainstream. So, I mean, they don't strike me as the kind of band that were influenced by anything other than them just saying they wanted to try something different. Yeah. But I definitely feel like at the time there was some like quite heavy rock doing quite well. And they were like, Hey, we are extremely talented dudes and we could pull anything off. And that's the vibe that I get from this album, especially because it's like, even this late in their career, they made an album with just such energy. And honestly, you know, considering that, you know, bands a lot of the time, like you say, their later albums can be more forgettable than their first. But honestly, there's some really memorable shit on this album. Yeah. Um, yeah. Simple Life is a nice, short and sweet, vibey track. Now, Taint Your World has serious Van Halen vibes. Like, yeah, I, that's exactly yeah. what I thought. It sounds like almost, it's got a hot for teacher vibe or yep. something like that with that same sort of whatever kind of beat you call that. I'm not the technical yeah. guy here, but you know what I'm saying? It's like kind of a, a, a swingy up tempo rock and roll kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like with killer riffs over the top of it. And I need to, I need to really emphasize the attitude of this track like, I never, ever thought I'd hear a Toto song with an F-bomb in it, but literally... <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like Van yeah. Halen. They had one yeah. song with an F-bomb in it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so killer. Like, wait, when you hear Bobby Kimball, like, because you don't want to fuck with me. You're like, whoa, where did that come from? But yeah, like, this album is, is really surprisingly awesome. Like, yeah. From out of nowhere, awesome. Um, Let it go is this like nice big, progged out rocker, spiritual man. Nice song, nice vibe to it. And then, no end in sight is this up tempo rock song to close the album out. But I remember like listening to this and thinking, "Fuck!" Like this late in their career, they're still making such energetic and varied music that just somehow still sounds definitively them you know there's there's just such a such a cool vibe to this record i've I've really gushed over this one but yeah (laughs) it's perfectly fine i'm going to continue the gushing because this is also my number seven um so we're we're matching up here in the beginning but um I really, uh, you usually say a lot of the things I need to say that, that the big thing for me is the fact that this had a lot of big guitar moments, which are the things that obviously are always going to connect with me, but just that the songs are way more interesting than what they had done for some previous albums. Yeah. Like, um, and honestly, I feel like it just overall, it feels like a more inspired album. Like they're having a good time and they, they're, something 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 just connected here and on top of that um it feels more focused but in a good way like they still have those toto moments where they they do things with songs that you the normal average songwriter wouldn't do because it's not necessary if you're just trying to write a verse chorus first chorus middle eight kind of song um you don't think about throwing those things in but they do um, but at the same time, this does feel like it's it's a real solid album. 
And the, like I said, the, the loud guitars and the rocking moments in this album, like they really stand out in like a cool way. Um, the one thing that, that, that I think is so interesting about Toto is that it seems to me like there are some albums where they don't really want to rock. Like they're kind of yeah. like, well, let's not do this. But when they want to do it, they really fucking do it well. <laughs> and that's pretty amazing. And then, of course, as usual, just the overall musicianship of this particular lineup of the band, just like pretty much every, I mean, really every, even though like there's, there's you know, a vocalist I don't like as much, um, the lineups of musicians is always stellar. And it's just, it's hard to fault a band that this, this further, this, whatever the words I'm looking for, later on <laughs> in their career, they put out this kind of an album that's this strong. Even the production, like everything about it, it doesn't feel like old dudes who decided, yeah, let's put out another album. I know this guy that records music. I think this is good enough. Okay, let's put it out. Cool, bye. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's, this is not that. Like, this is like a proper album that, that they're still trying to write the biggest kind of songs that they can write and be the best band that they can be. And that is... Uh, something that like I think every band should look up to is just be like, well, shit, I mean, you look at bands like Toto. You know, they've had yeah. their ups and downs. They have plenty of people who don't take them seriously, but they also have plenty of people that are rabid fans. So it's like, just take a look at that. Just, you know, if you know what you're doing, stick to your guns and do your shit, and eventually it's going to connect again. And in this particular case, it did. So I, I had to put it at my number seven. But yeah, this is this is definitely an album that I was like, wow, this is, this is fucking yeah. cool. So yeah, that's my number seven, falling in between. Cool. So uh, this one, for my number six. Uh huh. Now I want to preface this as it does seem low for an album with so many hits on it. Uh oh. But uh, but number six. It, okay. It's it's solely based on a combination of. I kind of feel like the band have albums with like varied vibes, but I feel as though this one hones in on like one part of their sound and does it very well to the point where it has many hit singles on it. So I, my number six, I've gone for Toto four. Wow. Okay. Now, this is the one that most people know. It yeah. has Africa on it, after all. Um, Rosanna. Uh, yep. And uh, yeah, Rosanna, seeing as if, you if said you're, it. If you're, if you're <laughs> around my age or older, you, those two songs are imprinted in your brain forever because they were massive. You turn on a yeah. radio, you're hearing Africa or Rosanna. Like they were just, they seemed to be everywhere you go to get your hair cut you walk into the barbershop rosanna's playing on the speed you know it's just like everywhere yeah. you went those songs were there so it's it's just those two songs specifically it's almost like they're part of my childhood so anyway go ahead how, how africa plays every day when i'm at work it's like in the playlist that my um workplace has and it's it it's one of those that I don't get tired of either. Yeah. It's it's just such a great song. But um yeah, so Rosanna opens the album. It's a great song to learn on drums. 
for like ghost notes and subtlety. And it's the first ever Toto song I ever heard. And it was in my uncle's car when he was obsessed with uh, Toto at some point in my childhood. Mm-hmm. I was about seven or eight. Um, and I also want to state, I don't think enough people, I mean, a, a lot of people won't know it because it's not in the radio edit, but that little um, jazzy bit at the end of yeah. the album version is so cool where it just mm-hmm. completely changes the vibe and goes into like, just a really cool bluesy jazzy guitar solo kind of thing not not only that um, this song like like I, just trying to think of it i'm pretty sure like it it switches keys like three or four times in to, like twice in yeah. the verse or there's three different keys in the verse because they sing the similar verse uh melody yeah. in different keys and then the chorus is, I mean, it's, it's re, as, song, as a, like a nerdy songwriting kind of guy, I'm just like, oh, it's so cool just to hear it shift to this little kind of different mood uh, for yeah. almost singing the same kind of melody, just in a different key. Also, the solo section of that song has so much attention to detail, like the um, all the synth solos yeah. that come in. Uh, and then when it switches to, you know, the, the straight up guitar solo, like there's just so much, you, you can really hear the, uh, love and attention that was given to these songs on this album because, you know, coming off of a couple commercial flops, uh, despite the strength of the material on those albums, um, you know, th- this was their last chance to prove that they had, you know, that star appeal mm-hmm. and they nailed it they nailed it with this album because i'm pretty sure like half of this album at least is like radio rock classics um i mean i only they, know those two i mean that's the yeah. only two i know off this so if they're if they're classics they're not played over here yeah i i think it's just um i think it was more at the time i, th- I think rosanna and africa have definitely um achieved such high you know high uh such a high reach of people um plus but, i think yeah, it, but, plus i think rose rosanna has a it, it always gets new life every, every it almost seems like every few years you'll see somebody post did you know that this song is about rosanna arquette i'm like yeah somebody else discovers it and then the song is out there in the consciousness again because <laughs> another person is like this is about rosanna arquette and so there you go how like <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing as well it's it, there's there's make believe which is a nice uh pop song mm-hmm. uh and it appears in gta vice city stories nice and i want to say as well while we're on the subject of that africa is in the original vice city so this this album has two gta songs which you know is a big thing for me um the the that franchise shaped my music taste as it is today <laughs> apparently as i've been learning because i've even seen it in in other vi- like videos i've watched about certain bands they will mention the impact that not only youtube and streaming services but g, g- the specifically the grand theft auto games gave yeah. a boost to their music and i'm like wow that's pretty fucking interesting yeah it's awesome like just it 
the sheer amount of awesome stuff you find on those radio stations. But mm-hmm. oh, man, I, I, I won't hold you back is a full on power ballad. You know, track three, you're getting a power ballad and, you know, it's an 80s uh, pop rock album. You know that's coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then they follow it up with Good For You, which is like a fun, feel-good love song. So it, it's just one of those that puts a smile on your face. Uh, it's a feeling. I forgot how smooth and nice this song is. It's got a really cool vibe to it. I think Steve Picaro is doing vocals on that one. I think like he had like one song mm-hmm. on like every other Toto album at some point. But yeah, it's it's cool to even on this one, you know, I I mentioned that this one has kind of one vibe. It's got a bunch of different songs, but it stays within that early 80s really poppy rock zone but it's it's nice you know it's it's a it's a good feeling album um afraid of love is a again a fun pop rocker lovers in the night is like an edgier more intense rock song um we made it is a catchy tune waiting for your love that's that's a sexy one like i can literally hear bobby kimball's kick-ass mustache on this song like (laughs) And, um, yeah, the album closes out with Africa, you know, it, it, bookending this massively successful album with both its biggest hits. I mean, th- this is like the, this is kind of like the rain and blood of AOR, <laughs> where, it's, where it's got, it's like two biggest songs, one at the start and one at the end. You know, yeah, what, this, now, now that you mentioned that, the, the, the label AOR, I, I, I don't know if you, if you saw the comment or where the comment was, but somebody was referring or asking the question if Toto is yacht rock. Yeah, 100%. That They do have yacht rock albums, I would say. This is probably their most yacht rock album. I would say <laughs> it's it's more songs, you know, than yeah. anything. But to be fair, like, the songs that, that come to me and say yacht rock, I there's very few Toto ones that seem to fit all. They don't tick all the boxes. There is yeah. one in particular I'll bring up later that is a absolutely 100% yacht rock song. But <laughs> um, but yes, but I, so I definitely would not call them a yacht rock band at all. In fact, some of the bands that get lumped into yacht rock, I'm just like that's like calling them hair metal, and I'm just like, eh, don't be rude. These are talented yeah. bands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I think uh, my thing with Toto Four is that it it feels kind of safe from track to track. Like yeah, it has I can a see pretty, that. it has a pretty consistent vibe throughout. Like I can't deny its bounty of tunes, but I like Toto when they're at their most ambitious, like taking yeah. left turns because they're good enough players to pull it off. You know, I, I can I absolutely understand that. And I, and I think that's why, seeing as I've spent so much time with these albums, um, the albums that feel a little more like, wow, okay, wow, they're doing this now, uh, appeal to me more because they, they stick out more. You know, I, I like I like songs that stick out like sore thumbs on, you know, albums. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's Toto 4. Awesome. At number well, six. For my number six, we're going to jump. Ten albums later, uh, for wow. to- Toto fourteen is hey. my number six. 
uh, which I guess technically I don't. Re- I mean, I guess it's t- fuck. I don't. I don't know. I, I read in <laughs> then the comments that the that the other album that we didn't talk about is considered an album because most of the tracks were never released before. And then I thought to myself, right. oh, fuck, if we talked about Old is New, shouldn't we have talked about that album? And then I, my head just exploded, and I went, no. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> this is too much to keep up with. We did what we did. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't have covered that album in this episode anyway. So that's the last one. That's the, that's the past. We're probably going to end up doing some kind of like uh, rebuttal catch up episode for all of like the extra ones we missed in all our rankings. So yeah. we'll probably just and we will probably won't rank them, but we'll definitely like talk about them sure. or something. Yeah. But um, Toto 14 is a legit Toto album. Yeah. And this one was cool just because this is even later, 2015. I mean, yeah. really recent. And it starts off so proggy and energetic that I'm just like, this is fucking great. Like, I th- th- I love that they're still doing this. And there's so many strong songs here. And, like, I feel like it's one of their most engaging albums since the 80s. Like, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's one of the first ones where I, I didn't really feel myself getting kind of lethargic or whatever, you know, and wanting to move on. Um, it didn't really have that. And, um, the cool thing about it to me is you said this before that they've never shied away from the classic elements that make them Toto. Like no matter what they're doing, you're always going to hear something in there that reminds you that that's the band that you're listening to. And hearing those in kind of a modern context is really kind of cool. And, um, the fact that it's such a strong album later in their career is worth is just makes it worth talking about on its own. But I have to call out like two songs. I'm calling out two songs for two different reasons. There's a song, I believe it's the second song on the album. Yes. And it is called burn. That is a ridiculously well-written song that if you listen to it, if that song was handed to, I don't know, Demi Lovato or somebody that's like popular today, you have a number one fucking hit song on your hands. Yeah. Like it is that quality of songwriting and it's good on its own. Like it, it could be a hit on its own, but I just, I know the way that music works now and fucking old dudes aren't going to get on the charts. It just doesn't <laughs> happen anymore. But, um, burns an amazing song and there's all sorts of great songwriting on this album, which brings me to even in 2015, the the one song, well, there's many songs, but the one that stood out the most as Yacht Rock is the song Chinatown. If you go back and listen yeah. to that song, it is, it's almost like they tried to write a Yacht Rock song. They went, people are calling us Yacht Rock. Let's just show them how goddamn Yacht Rock we can be. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it's, it's like everything you need. It's right there in this song. And just, yeah. and so it's, it's got those qualities that their earlier albums had where you'll get random progginess, you get random, really well-written pop songs, you'll get things that go into the softer side. Um, and it's, it's, so it just reminds me of like, wow, they're still so good at doing exactly the thing that made them a unique band in the beginning. And they're doing it in 2015. And then, so I guess this is the last legit new album that they did. Because they, because yeah. old is new had repurposed songs with old recordings, and I think maybe some of it was new, but this one all the way through is an absolute uh, new album. And then um, 
but the so you got the the interesting thing about this album that I always like as even when I went back and listened to it again, I it didn't click with me at first. But this is Joseph Williams on yeah. the majority of the vocals, which is the vocalist that I didn't like. Right? Yeah. That was the guy on on the later eighties albums. Yeah. I th- I think what could have something to do with that is the amount of time that's passed and you know at, at the time you know you you said that at the time in the late 80s he would have been your bog standard this is what an 80s singer is type guy yeah now yeah. now the 80s has passed you know long past now uh by 2015 especially you know especially yeah he kind of he didn't feel forced in on that one he he just has a powerful yeah. performance over the top I, I, of it i guess it's true there there aren't as many vocalists that sound like that these days and maybe it helps that a little bit of age adds a little bit of character to your vocals yeah. but um i think he sounds great on this album so i'm happy to give that guy you know some presence on the latter half of our ranking because i'm like look he's a good singer he just wasn't unique enough for me with a band that i feel is pretty unique but here, like, he fits right in. So, like, honestly, if they – is he still in the band? Like, I don't know yeah, if he's th- currently with them or not. Pretty sure he is, if I remember right. I don't know. We don't, we don't, need, to, we don't need to jump <laughs> into the wiki. But, um, I, but I give him props for this album because, once again, just like, you know, with Bobby Kimball, like, coming back later on down the line and still sounding fucking great. you know, there's, yeah. those are, those are the people that should be considered the legit great singers. Cause there are so many great singers when they're in their twenties. I'm all like, come to me when you're 50 and show me yeah. how good you sing. And then we're going to talk about how good you are. So, um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, this is, this is a great album. Um, it was in your lower half, but you but you made the point of saying that you you had not a, a lot of time with this one. This was one that you hadn't heard prior to this. Yeah, I'd I'd heard the odd song here and there, like Burn, for example. because um, yeah. that album is actually one of my uh, girlfriend's favorites. So I'd kind of heard certain songs in and out, and I liked them. Um, but it it's just an album. It's just one of those unfortunate scenarios with an album where you just never quite got around to it and it's not yeah. that you it's not that you ever heard it and it turned you off it's just i legitimately haven't sat down i it's kind of like when someone tells you dude you gotta watch this series on netflix and it's like okay i'm sure i'll love it but i need to be in the right zone to be able to give myself yeah to make it feel organic because if i go into it forcing myself to do it i'll probably uh resent it whereas if i just let it happen eventually i'll come around to it twice as hard you know yeah it happens but you know we we th- th- that's the beauty of these these um these episodes is that sometimes it connects us with stuff that we didn't connect with as much yeah um but yeah so that's my num- my num- not my number 14 my number 6 is f- toto 14 <laughs> also, I really like the album cover of this. It does it does have a yeah. type feel to the album cover. It's one of those cool ones where they use like the sword on it yeah. as well. Because yeah. that's an iconic thing with Toto. Like every every now and again you'll see an album with a sword on it. Um yeah, obviously the first one, four, the seventh one, 
Uh, well, te- te- old, technically, Hydra has a sword on it. Hydra also has a sword on it. But he's holding yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it's cool how it's like a neon sign in that light, dark um, city alleyway kind yeah. of sci-fi vibe. Yeah. Um, like a, yeah, like I like a it. Blade Runner or some shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. But yeah, but yeah, that's my number six, and I, I think it's a great album. So uh, yeah, let's move on to your number five. Cool. So Top my five. Top five people. So this album is uh, often referred to as their quote unquote prog album. Okay. Even though, even though it's it's that doesn't represent the whole record, but certainly at least the first two tracks. I've gone for their uh, sophomore effort, Hydra, from awesome. 1979. I knew I, as soon as you said Prague album, but not really. I'm like, he's he's bringing up Hydra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like opening with the title track Hydra, you know, that's an almost eight minute epic with some really atmospheric parts, some really intense parts. That yeah. really cool yeah. riff. When I yeah. when I first heard this song, I was all like, "If the whole album sounds like this, I'm just gonna go ahead and put this at number one." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those like that kind of catches you off guard because it it sonically has a lot in common with the first album, but the approach, on the other hand, is is much more ambitious because mm-hmm. um, you know opening this opening the album with like an eight minute epic progged out song uh awesome and then they follow it up with saint george and the dragon which you know i've never actually looked into the lyrics of these two songs but um seeing as the opening track is called hydra and the first line in St. George and the Dragon is, can you tell me where you might find the Hydra? Um, and it's it's a really cool interlinked thing. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish that the album had like an overarching concept outside of these first like it's, two songs. It's it's kind of like the the Sergeant Pepper syndrome where people like Sergeant yeah. Pepper's is a is a is a, a a theme album. I'm like it is literally not. <laughs> like just <laughs> yeah. because two two songs mention the same group like and the rest yeah. of them are totally unconnected that is not a concept <laughs> album in any way, but thanks for playing. Uh yeah, it 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 continues that like kind of proggy theme but with a more poppy feel and a great melodic guitar solo i love love that um 99 i've actually put is a smooth yacht rock kind of thing and that was uh, but that one was was written about a movie right 99 i th- i think so uh, uh yeah yeah it was written um as a tribute to george lucas's first movie thx 1138 hell yeah which I've I only I I saw when I was a kid, but I remember it being way over my head because I'm like, this ain't nothing like Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I talked when I was a kid, but I feel like kids' brains are kind of as dumb as that. So you know, yeah, so yeah I, I my personification of dumb kid voice. I'm, I'm not even from the U.S., and that's that's my inner monologue as a child. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, um, 
I, I love those synths that come in about halfway through like I all those all those really quirky sounds that they threw in I just really add to the character of these uh, early albums um, Lorraine fun pop rock song that kind of catches you off guard with like how upbeat it gets like it starts off as if you're gonna be listening to a power ballad and then woof up comes like that kind of thing they do that Um, quite a lot there's a lot of toto songs where it starts off kind of mellow and even if it doesn't necessarily get faster the 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 vibe of the song gets way more intense like elevates chorus comes in or whatever yeah they're good at that they're good at building songs like that yeah i I gotta say here though all us boys full-on good hard rocking good a, time that's song. a fun one yeah yeah especially like those kind of thin lizzy uh harmonized guitars in there as well and that's that's uh that's david page on vocals on that one yeah and it's it's and it's funny because he's usually known for like singing the softer ones but on this one it just he fits. likes to rock at times yeah have you ever seen the uh the video for it no. it's it's delightful. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> like a lot of these like late eighties, uh, sorry, late seventies uh, Toto songs have videos, and they're just such a time capsule. Um, but yeah, Mama is a sassy, jazzy one. They like to throw in some sassy, jazzy ones from time they, to time. They do. Uh, White Sister. Now I've put here. White Sister is Toto doing eighties rock before eighties rock was a thing. <laughs> Um, they predicted lo- it. Hell yeah. Like, I I really love this song. And then finally, like, A Secret Love is a really weird but cool synth-laden, mysterious ballad sort of thing to close out on. Uh, and they, they really made some cool creative choices on this album. And that, that's, yeah. why, that's why this album sits above something like Toto 4 for me. Because Toto 4, again, like I say excellent pop rock album but hydra just feels so much more ambitious so that's why also like i've said many times like that's any good band their second album is usually going to be them trying to one-up themselves in some way or another and yeah i don't think this album is better than their first but i uh, i love the fact that they they really went for doing something different i wish that the proggy elements from the first two tracks were more carried over because that's I agree. just those two songs and the album cover led me to believe I was getting something different. And so, mm. <laughs> um, and it didn't really happen, but it's still good. We did for the first 13 minutes. Yeah. yeah and then, <laughs> true. but yeah. Even if they had done a full side, even if they'd done like a rush where it's 2112 on one side and then some other songs on the other side, I would have been okay with that too. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, that's, that's my number five. Awesome. So my number five, if you've been paying attention, we have now narrowed it down to the literally first five Toto albums. That's what's left for me, the first five. Because I really do think, I I went back and listened to these again, and I'm like, man, no, no, there's something about the first five albums that they did where they, they just nailed so many things so perfectly, and it kind of establishes who they are. And so I'm all like, yeah. These first five are like the sweet spot of this band, but the question is, what order do I put them in? Um, And so for my number five, I had to go with album number five, which is Isolation from 1984. 
Cool. And um, so this album is, I think, is still really good. The thing that they had started to do, and I feel like maybe this Toto 4 is, is kind of the big deal with this, but, but I think that even turn back this one also, they, they started to write songs almost like it sounded like an alternate universe um, collection of hit songs from that year by all sorts of different bands. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like it's I got a, that vibe. So they they tried all these different things from the era that they're messing around in, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but it's insanely well produced. Yeah. And um, so they even though I really do enjoy this album. Oh, and by the way, this is the only album that has Fergie Fredrickson on vocals, who I think is also very good. But apparently yeah. he couldn't hack it live. I think that was why they they kicked him out. I think there were, I I think he was having uh, issues with like a, a throat thing at the time or something. But I've I've heard some, um, you know, bootlegs of of him live, and he sounds great. Yeah, it's uh, I think it was just an unfortunate set of circumstances. I I think it was actually more to do, if I remember right, I could be wrong. Uh, so don't quote me on this. But uh, I think it was to do with something in the studio where the songs they were writing didn't fit his voice or something like that, and he okay. was kind of struggling. He was kind of struggling to get the vibe. Yeah, that would make sense. But um, so, but honestly, I- isolation. Even though I like it, the the it, it come it has to come dead last with their first five albums because I really feel like at this point their their formula starts to sound like it's wearing thin a little bit because you start to realize that Toto have as as virtuosic as they are and as talented as they are they have like four to five different styles of songs and yeah. they kind of you know and they they kind of do these and sometimes they have different elements from the time in those songs and stuff like that but this is the album where I think it starts to become really noticeable that it's almost like they put out a new, a new. Ver- I think I brought this up last time. Like they're they're a corporation that puts out a new version of the same product with just a few changes. So it's like, kind you know, of, yeah. get get your new iPhone. What is it? It's an iPhone just like you had before, but now <laughs> it's got these little different things on it that make it slightly different, and you're gonna love it. And that's what isolation feels like to me. It's like it's got great songs on it, but um, I feel like they were treading water a little bit at this point. Um, and honestly, it, it didn't get better. <laughs> for me anyway <laughs> they did they've made some albums after this that i don't think are as good this still has a really fun vibe at least and so i'm gonna give it that um but also like you think about like 1984 like the music that was happening in 84 when this came out like the big things were michael jackson and madonna and stuff like that van halen yeah and it's it's really interesting to, to to just hear this band throughout the years. Trends come and go, popular artists come and go, and they still kind of do their Toto thing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> but yeah, when it comes to the first five albums, as as cool as they are to me, this is the one that starts to show a little cracks. And I'm kind of just like, eh, this this the they. I, I wish that they had done some sort of a big left turn um, after this because they just get more '80s and more poppy after this. But yeah, <laughs> if they had put out like a prog album in 1986, you know that would have been a different story. But yeah, it's a good album. It has a lot of strong moments, but it's not as strong as the pre the 
previous four Toto albums to me. So that's why it's at number five, Isolation. Cool. Um, I love Fergie Fredrickson's voice. Like, yeah. of, of all the Toto singers for me, like, just, uh, you know, just before I go into, into my next one, um, his voice for me is, like, the most 80s rock of all of them. So, like, I'm kind of there, like, oh, hell yeah, get some, like, <laughs> yeah. kind yeah. of things in there. Um, so, yeah, for me, it his solo stuff as well, I listened to, and there's some cool, cool stuff on some of the albums he did before and after um, Toto. And there's there's one album in particular I just want to say that kicks ass. Yeah. Is um, oh shit, what's it called? It's like it's an album by Larue. So fired up. That's it. So fired up by Larue. Okay. Awesome album. Yeah really cool like he, he played with a lot of bands it looks like yeah he's had quite a quite a quite a few dalliances with a bunch of acts but uh yeah really underrated vocalist cool so yeah uh my number four mm-hmm. no we're, we're in the uh we're in the top four yep so uh i have gone for their debut toto Mm, wow okay (laughs) so the sheer variety yet cohesiveness on this album right out of the gate is seriously impressive for a debut album but but that's what happens when a super group is formed out of seasoned session players so Yeah, yeah of course yeah um Child's Anthem, I once sent. I once said to my friend that if I was a superhero, then I want this as my theme song. Cause it sounds it re- like the opening to a movie. Like that's, yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's such a cool, um, it, it does like this melody like three times around, but each time it does it, it's like even more epic and like even more harmonies and guitars are thrown in and more yeah. synths. So cool awesome way to open the album um and i I also want to say this is definitely their most classic rock 70s album you know it's it's their yeah it's their debut 1978 it's got got a legit classic rock hit on it like one of the biggest it's it's awesome isn't it like it how there's a bunch of like cool rock songs along here that you would just lump right in with the classic rock thing like for example i'll supply the love is mm-hmm. an excellent 70s rock song with Hell this yeah. cool proggy ending. Um, Georgie Porgy is a smooth, jazzy groover. Kiss the girls and make them cry. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only part of the album where I go, they could have made a better decision there at that part. Because <laughs> the song is really cool. And then that Georgie Porgy pudding pie. I'm like, what? Okay, cool. I guess. Oh, man. But th- then, then you get Manuel Run. Which yeah, is yeah. a a great feel good seventies rock song, really cool proggy ending. Uh, yeah, sorry, I was I read uh, the fucking thing I just said for "I'll Supply the Love" for Manuela Run is a great feel good seventies rock song with a really cool melodic solo in there. Love this song. Um, it's a feel good song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You are the flower feels. You are the flower has this really cool, um, soulful, bluesy sass vibe. 
I love the feel on that one. Yeah. Uh, Girl Goodbye is the hardest rocking thing it's, on this album. That's that's yeah. the one on this album. Well, there's a lot on this album that when I first heard it, I was like, this is fucking cool. And that was the one where I'm like, this song is awesome. Just, I, I, loved, I love be. the vocals on this song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Bobby Kimball, again, uh, just yeah. absolutely, absolutely tearing it up. I, I've... I've birthed a go- a, a Bobby Kimball enthusiast with this. With this hell, hell yeah! If you're, paying, if you're paying attention, my top four is the Bobby Kimball zone. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> um, taking it back, uh, Steve Picaro. Steve Picaro sings on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really cool, smooth, understated track. You could say that this is the 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 yacht rock song on the on the album. Mm-hmm. Um, Rockmaker is this like fun uplifting track. It has kind of an ELO vibe. Um but then hold the line is a fucking tune, dude. That, that, I like, mean it is it is that is um up there as their one of their biggest songs. Yeah. I would say that prior to Africa kind of re-blowing up in the social media age, I would say that Hold the Line was their most recognizable song. Cause there are so many things that you like you hear it in movies and TV shows and commercials, like it is. And it's GTA everywhere. San Andreas. GTA San Andreas. <laughs> and it's, but it's an absolute classic that is still in regular rotation on classic rock radio today. To the point where I didn't even know this was Toto. Like you know, you know, there's, yeah. there's all those '70s bands that have like that one hit that you're <laughs> that you're just like, oh yeah. And so I thought it was one of those bands. You know, like I know that a lot of those bands have like other songs, but you know, you hear like. For some reason, I just thought of like Bad Company. I know they had probably had more than one hit, but I can only think of the song <laughs> Bad Company. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> song I can think of. But, um, but yeah, it's just I thought that there was it, they were lumped in with that. Like, oh, they're a 70s rock band and this was their one big hit. But it turns out I was wrong. <laughs> um, oh man, and then and then finally with uh, Angela is that's a cool power ballad type of thing to close out the record yeah where it's kind of quiet with acoustic guitars it's kind of folky with like flutes and whatnot but then you guys guys didn't see it but he actually did he actually pantomimed a flute when he said flutes (laughs) just for me (laughs) just that's a it's an only fans exclusive (laughs) (laughs) and he plays the skin flute (laughs) (laughs) and with that i'm gonna hand it over to your number four (laughs) cool cool my number four where we're entering the bobby kimball zone and um my number four is an album so this was in last episode the last episode for you and as we're talking about it i went uh, do, did I hear a different album? So I went back to listen to it again, and it's been confirmed that you're insane that this album is not in your top seven. <laughs> um, my number four is Turn Back from 1981. Um, and the, the one thing that I have to say about Turn Back is that I didn't even write very many notes either time I listened to it because it's such a fun, feel-good album. Like a, yeah. It's it's yeah. like a it's like a power pop album done by Toto, and you put on your headphones, and I just the vibe just and it's not very long, it's like thirty five minutes long or some shit like that, and it, the vibe just carries me along where I'm like halfway through, and I'm like shit, I didn't write anything down. Well, this is this is a good <laughs> album. It's like you know, it's just so it, like like I, I I would agree that if you're looking for 
the variety and like the surprises of Toto. Nah, they're not really here, but, um, it's got some big old guitar riffs. I mean, yeah, I mean, circa 1981 power pop music, but you know what I'm saying? Those big old riffs. Um, and it's much more energetic than Hydra, which was the album that came before it. But as you, as you pointed out, Hydra was, they took more chances on that album. Um, this was the one where like, I really feel, I think that I read that there were several, there was a couple albums. I think it was this one and Toto four where they could have done these big blowout tours, but they decided not to do them for some reason or schedules didn't work out. Um, and I think Hmm. turn back was, you can tell that it was meant to be played in front of thousands of screaming fans. Like it has that big old fun rock feel to it. Uh, but not, but doesn't sound, it literally sounds like eighties. Like it's got a, like a, like a, an eighties. It's the best, the best way I can put it is power pop. They could have toured with Elvis Costello or somebody on this album. Um, but it's really fun. It's really enjoyable. Um, but yeah, it's not as adventurous. So it, it, so for those first four Bobby Kimball albums, this one comes in last just because of that, because there was no part that surprised me, but I enjoyed every minute of it and so my number four is turned back i will say i'm just gonna chime in here as i have retroactively thought about it and I ain't cha- <laughs> i'm not i'm not changing my list because when we do this show you know that it's kind of a it's kind of a set in stone thing e- even though you know from day to day it could change honestly yeah. when i'm w- there are times where i am in a turn back mood and that's the only one that will get the job done yeah and i i will say you know it does nail that power pop early 80s arena rock thing yeah really yeah. well i would say it could it could maybe infiltrate the the eight or seven spot on any other given day but i'm still firmly planted with my top top seven but yeah it could. It it really does depend on mood. The further down the list you well, go. Well, hey, you know what? It got its mention in the top half because of me. Because um, hell yeah, it's super fun. It do, it does deserve. It does deserve at least one top half mention. <laughs> yep. Cool. cool. So mo- moving on to the top three. Cool. So my number three. Now I love when whenever we have an album where you think. Eddie loves this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going. And uh, my number three is the seventh one. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to say, you know, vibe-wise, very similar to Fahrenheit. Yeah, same in, vocalist too. Same vocalist, only two years apart, and they're yeah. still still doing the eighties pop kind of thing, especially like the the latter end of the eighties thing. Mm-hmm. But this one for me refines it further, you know, resulting in this infectious eighties pop rock record with like more of a rock edge at times. Because I feel like the problem with Fahrenheit that kept it so low on my list is. It's kind of similar to what happened with Toto 4, where it's just kind of one thing, and there's not really any left turns, save for, you know, the closing track on that one. 
This one, on the other hand, has everything I would expect a late 80s album to have on it. Mm-hmm. And it it's satisfying to my ears because I have a fetish for gated reverb. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, and it's got a sword on the cover, too. Yep. Always a good sign. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I got to say, um, Pamela, you know, you thought it was one of the weaker tracks. But yeah. I'm. I will say, does it not have one of the coolest synth fills ever? I mean, like that. I, I guess maybe maybe the my problem with that song is that it shouldn't open the album. It should have been later on in the album. I think. Yeah, it does. It does strike me as one of those instances where it doesn't have like an opening track vibe. Yeah, but I, I, I like this one. Um, you got me is a full on late eighties pop song. Like I could definitely hear some MJ in this one for Uh sure. Um, Anna is like a gorgeous ballad, nice and, uh, really reverb heavy on the vocals, which is always great. This album. Can we, can we, can we let them get away with naming a song Rosanna and another song, Anna? That just seems that's just seems <laughs> like they're cheating a little bit. Like this song is know, not man. Rosanna. This is just Anna. And we have another song. This just called Rose. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I would say the, the cool thing about this album for me is that it, it kind of has that, uh, you're on a beach with a girl vibe, you know, that kind of, happy ending 80s kind of love scene vibe and i'm yeah. I, so you're sipping I, a mai tai on the beach everything's all yeah good. credits are hell rolling. yeah yeah every, everything worked out for the good and then uh stop loving you plays over the credits uh because it's the next song uh yeah. stop loving you is a perfect song i love this song so much it's like one of my top five toto songs ever um and surprisingly super fun to play on drums especially with that do 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 ba brum ba like ah uh, i that that <laughs> fill i i i get super I don't, enthusiastic I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know if if eddie's really talked about this very much in these episodes but he has a big old drum kit and he can play the drums and um, but usually whenever I see video of him playing drums, he's always trying to play like the philosopher by death or something like that. He's not <laughs> he's not rocking the toto. He's trying to get as much double kick in there as he possibly can. <laughs> yeah, uh, for, for me, I I just I've been capturing the vibe of having my new uh, drum rack recently, and I, yeah. and I wanted to. And may I say, nice rack. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Beauty's a hard thing to come by. <laughs> also, it's also he's got so many toms. Like I, I, I responded to he sent, he sent me a picture. I was like, "Hey Neil Pert, you got enough toms on that fucking yeah. drum kit?" <laughs> I think there's like eight of them and two floor toms. Right? Is there two? Uh, there's there's six toms in total with uh, two floor toms and four rack toms. It's for, uh, it's for when you get that George of the Jungle action going on over there on the oh, on the lower. Hell, toms. hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, or wipe not, out. I, I guess wipeout would be what it would be. I'm not a one floor tom kind of guy. Let's just say that I I gotta have my I gotta have my two toms for the end of fucking um, 
for whom the bell tolls, where he's like, yeah. doom, doom, duh, hey, duh, you know, duh, duh, I'm not going to fault duh. anybody for having a lot of drums. I'm just going to say the thing that I've, I've all, I think I've said this since I was younger. If ever, if I ever saw a band and the drummer set up a shitload of stuff, I just think to myself, he better hit every one of those things at least once. Otherwise, yeah. this dude is a is a prick for just taking this much time <laughs> to set up all that shit. I remember fucking going to see, not going to see. My I had a band, um, and this I don't fuck. This was like maybe ten years ago, and we weren't a band that always played big shows. In fact, in this particular band, I played the one show that we ever played just to a bartender. Like there was wow. literally nobody else in the venue because girlfriends at the time couldn't even make it. But anyway, th- this is a different show where there was probably five to ten people at the gig. And the band that was playing before us set up their gear like they were a fucking arena band where he had, <laughs> you know how like like when Metallica would do like Nothing Else Matters, there's an acoustic setup on a little stand. And yeah. the dude had like two different kinds of microphones and he had a big ass pedal board and the drummer had like a 20 piece kit. And all of the, I, and they were literally playing to like two people and like they spent a half an hour just setting up their fucking gear and we're just like we just want to go home. We know we're not getting yeah. paid. We're, you know, <laughs> we're just they're luckily they're giving us free beer and we're getting drunk, but I'm just like, man, I mean, read the room. You don't need yeah. to set all that up. Do a stripped down version of your fucking show. I I I specifically kept uh all of my stands because I know full well I'm not taking the whole rack with me to a gig unless I'm playing fucking Wembley. So essentially, for, for me, the the rack is more so that I can have most of the kit set up and remove like four items and then come back and just put those items back on the kit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, yeah. there's some, some of my favorite drummers are drummers that have a whole lot of gear. But also, there's something to be said about a drummer that can literally use snare, tom, kick oh, drum, yeah. and fucking blow your mind. So, uh, I'm sorry, that was a little bit of divergence, but it's about music, so we can we can do that. We're, it's not, we're not we're talking about peanut butter or something. I don't know why that came to mind, <laughs> peanut butter. That's for, that's for later. That's for later in the episode. <laughs> I will say that there's one little thing just before we hop back into the Toto Zone, um, is that I remember having a conversation with someone about like, dude, do you really need such a big kit? That's so impractical. And it was like, need and want are two different things, my <laughs> dear boy. That is true. <laughs> yeah. It's, it was, you, gotta, it was, you, gotta, you gotta be in the mindset of what's, I don't remember the character's name, but the, the, the what's this? Now I can't even think of So here's the thing. I have so much information in my head about like certain bands that other things like actors' names and characters in movies and TV shows, I don't remember yeah. any of those. But the dude that was the drummer in the show Freaks and Geeks, uh, what's that guy's name? Oh, no idea. He's an actor that was later on, like How I Met Your Mother. He was in all sorts of movies. Jason Siegel, that's what his name there is. But he, have you ever seen Freaks and Geeks? I have not. I highly recommend it. It's a it's an yeah. amazing show. But Jason Siegel's character is an aspiring drummer, and he wants to have all of the stuff that Neil Peart has. And so, <laughs> nice. Um, That's me. That's yeah. literally me. <laughs> and, but he, but he's not very good though. So it's uh, <laughs> but it's a uh, it's a great one. It's even got like Seth Rogen in it. I don't know who else is in it. There's other people in it. It's a it's a fun. Uh, it's a fun, like, sort of throwback to the early 80s is the, maybe even late 70s, fuck. 
Is it late seventies? Yeah, it's late late seventies. Doesn't matter. Look it up. It's fun. <laughs> My favorite like uh, big dick in it move as a drummer is the ones that have a gong behind them that they don't even hit. Like. Oh. Just yeah. hit it once. Yeah. <laughs> even better if you light if you light your stick on fire and then hit it. That's even better. Just give me something at the end of it. The label threw a shitload of money at me, so I guess I gotta get a gong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how? It, but spe- speaking of drummers, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Picaro on Mushanga is on fire. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible to me that someone can play something so Tom heavy, but so subtly to the point where it's hypnotic. I like how this came around. It almost makes it makes us feel like we're professionals or some shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> of course, that of conversation course came right back around to the song that we were already on. Yeah. Uh, we've been good at our segues recently. We've I been know, nailing man. it. Hell yeah. But like the, the coolest thing about this is like it's got such a nice chill vibe but the fucking rhythms underneath it are so complicated like to come up with that um to come up with that pattern is just such a cool thing and it really shows off the genius that jeff picaro possessed uh and there's like a whole like he did like a whole instructional 80s instructional video and this beat is explained in it. And just watching him play it. Now, it's it would be one thing to play it and it's like, oh, shit, this is loud because it's drums. Yeah. On the other hand, he's like hitting it so subtly but so consistently and it just blows me away every time that the dude was just such a professional in like every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get Stay Away, which is just, it, that, that's just an 80s hard rock song. L- love that. Um, straight for the heart sounds like walking on sunshine for the first few beats before going into a way better song. That is a song um, that I could never hear again right there. Not stay, not, not this one, but walking on sunshine. No, I'm with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> now here's a highlight on the album for me. Only the children could have easily been a danger, danger song. And I fucking love it. Like it's, it's borderline hair metal. And you know me, I'm the hair metal guy. And it's around the same time, too, as Danger Danger. Yeah. When they released that. their debut album featuring the singles Naughty Naughty and Bang Bang. I love, love it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, great. <laughs> uh, uh, a, a, a Thousand Years is a cool, vibey ballad. Uh, These Chains is the younger, way more chill brother of Rosanna uh Jeff Picaro Jeff Picaro was a master of the shuffle beat uh like all of his shuffles are just like again it's that subtlety that you don't necessarily hear as much of what is going on into it but the physicality of his playing is just so it's a surprisingly good drum album considering it's like a a late 80s pop rock thing because a lot of late 80s pop rock is just straightforward you know whereas this is like there's so many little nuances and stuff that they 
made sure that you could still hear even in like the late 80s. Yeah. Um, I just got to say this though, Home of the Brave is probably my favorite Toto closing track. Awesome uplifting song, definitely a top 10 for me. There's so many dynamics to it and it's just one of those that I have an excellent, great time uh, playing behind my kit. And it makes me want to get behind it now. <laughs> and um, but yeah, there, there's a really cool, um, cheeky little uh, fill in there. That's um, it really builds up and builds up, and the da 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 <laughs> yeah, just fucking we, love. Man, this, yeah. this needs to be a video version of it. You, you guys missed out a whole performance here. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm I'm gonna have to do a drum cover of that now, aren't I? Just to just to show the delight of my I stopped, face. I stopped when I play doing it. those video versions of like edits from our stuff because nobody fucking watched them. So I'm just like, that takes too much time for, for yeah. me to do. But who knows? Um, we we could end up with just like full video episodes eventually. But uh, if the, if, if, the, if the quality gets better, then yeah, I would say that. Cool. But cool. yeah, this is uh, similar to in a in a way similar to how Crazy Nights was so high on my uh, Kiss list. Yeah, I am a shameless lover of cheesy eighties stuff, and I love the cheesy eightiesness of this album. Love it. Awesome. Well, cool. uh, w- welcome back to the Bobby Kimball zone, everybody. Um, we're uh, my number three. Uh, now it's all of these three albums we've now already talked about, so it's, I'm going to be brief with all of them because because uh, they're they've, Eddie's already talked about them. But my number three is uh, Hydra, their second album from 1979. And um, I already said this before. If uh, especially the first track, if the rest of the album sounded like the first track. This would be higher, probably number one, because it's a it's a really great song. And um, the only yeah, I think the disappointing thing about this album is that that song and the album cover really does make you feel like you're going to get something a little more progressive, which you get a little bit of that. Um, yeah. But I mean, even that being said, even though they kind of stray away from that pretty quickly, um, it is a bit more rock at, at times than the previous album. I mean, here and there, it's 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 really hard to pin this band down, and I think that yeah. was part of what they were trying to do. And um, you, I, I give them definite credit for not just doing the same album that they had already done, um, which they easily could have because the first album was relatively successful for them. Um, so they could have done that, but they didn't. And um, my only gripe about this album might be in the the running order of the tracks because sometimes there's just i really do think that um saint george and the dragon going into 99 it's kind of too much softer things and the momentum of the album kind of gets killed for me um from where it started it's funny that I'm talking about this album like it's not in my top three because overall, like, <laughs> there's still so many enjoyable moments on this album, and the songwriting's great. Um, 
it just doesn't live up to the promise of the first song. But overall, the vibe of this album, like we talked about, like, you know, it, it, it kicks it up again, like All Us Boys is a total party song. Yeah. Um, and so it, it hits these different marks. And so I think that's what makes not only this album, but the first their first album, which we'll talk about later, um, so enjoyable to me because it really, it's from a person who's going into these albums for the first time, it, it really is a, I don't know what they're going to be doing next. And that's a lot of fun, especially when they're a very talented band doing it. And so, um, yeah, the, the, this really the only reason why this is number three and not higher is just because I, I wanted it to be better because I felt like, oh, they're going to follow up that really great first album with this one that gets more proggy and maybe heavier and, but now you don't, you don't really get that. You do get a pretty great first track. And then the rest of it is just really good. Toto doing what Toto does best. And they, they had already kind of established that they weren't going to be this band that just phoned it in and did the basic rock stuff or the basic kind of, it's hard. I, I, some of their stuff, it's hard to explain because I don't know, maybe Yacht Rock is the place that it goes, but there was a lot of artists in the 70s and early 80s that technically would have been considered rock, but they all had like jazzy elements in them. Like yeah. you would hear little bits of like, that's the only way I could put it is like, that sounds like jazz thrown in there. It's like a um, tiny little bit of a fusion element thrown in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and that's what they were doing. And I think that's kind of cool because, you know, there were already you know, full on album rock style arena rock bands. There were already proggy bands that were full on into the prog. And they really were kind of like, you know what? We like a lot of stuff. So we're going to make this music where we're trying to write the best songs we can possibly write, but we're not really going to play by anybody's rules. And um, that's what makes these first few albums really fucking enjoyable. So Hydra yeah. sits here at number three for me. Cool. So now we're in our uh, top two. Top two. Awesome. So I'm trying, I don't even remember what you have left, so this is going to be a surprise. Cool. So my number two is Kingdom of Desire. <laughs> is, this, is this just because you get laid to this album often? <laughs> I mean, it certainly helps it, but... <laughs> All right, man, that's, this uh, is one that was way in, in the other episode for me. Now, this is the hardest rocking album in Toto's catalog. Yep. And it, it sees the band stripping down to a four-piece and Steve Lukather carrying all of the lead vocal duties. Um, but it's at this point that I must also mention their extremely short tenure with vocalist uh, Jean-Michael, uh, or is it Michelle? Jean-Michel Byron who recorded four extra new tracks for their 1990 Greatest Hits album, Past to Present, but things didn't work out with him due to uh, quote-unquote uh, diva-like antics and his Michael Jackson on crack on stage dancing <laughs> that kind of... That uh, sounds awesome. Yeah, like, it's, it's a... Michael Crackson. Michael Crackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a weird era for the band uh that like uh 
in between these two main studio albums, they had this like extra sleeper hit with um, fuck, what's it called? I can't remember the name of the song, but like that past to present album has four original tracks on them, and they're very nineteen ninety, like yeah. that initial turning over into the new decade obviously there's a power ballad thrown in there that's the one i can't think of but he had a great voice but things just didn't work out with him um it also didn't help that he was kind of thrust on the band uh this this is kind of my follow-up to something i mentioned last episode that uh i said i was going to divulge here uh with the bobby kimball trying to come back in the late 80s and they did the song going home which appeared on Toto 20, which was like that B-Sides unreleased track, sorry, uh, album that they put together. And that's a really cool song. And it's unfortunate that, you know, Bobby couldn't reunite with them at the time because they'd have probably ended up doing a a badass rock album anyway. Um, But I also like what happened with this album and that's why it's so high up so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump into my uh track by track of my second favorite toto album cool cool so right out of the gate you know steve lucas has a really cool raspy tone to his voice uh on this album uh and gypsy train has some serious van halen hard rock and goodness to it um don't chain my heart is an awesome song great chorus uh never enough is more fun hard rock now how many times feels like an extreme song i don't know if you kind of got that vibe um not that i I remember but i mean the the vibe of this album i could see it's going into that territory yeah it for me it's like the vocal harmonies and the riff choices um two hearts is a power ballad that could have been huge had it come out like two years prior that's the thing i remember about this album is that i kept thinking to myself if this album had come out in like 1988 or 89 it might have been really big for them yeah i i think so too because it definitely has that um not hair metal but certainly 80s hard rock yeah vibe to it uh wings of time is fucking awesome strikes that perfect epic rock song vibe where it's like got those really cool i don't know there's just something about this song and another song on here as well that i'll get to that just feels like it the chorus needs to be yelled from a mountaintop it's just so (laughs) it's just so powerful um she knows the devil is super fun funk rock like that song is awesome uh the other side is a nice ballad now here's a little caveat that i want to mention uh i did not know kick down the walls existed until we did this because it's not on my cd version of this album okay so i was kind of like wait, there's a song on here that's not on my CD version. And I went and listened to it. And from my research, it seems to be a least favorite on the record from the band. 
it does have a noticeably way more 80s approach and could have fit into the seventh one four years prior. Mm-hmm. But I'd still like to have it on the album, though. This is one of those really long albums for me that doesn't... I don't mind it on this album. Yeah, It's got, it's got a really cool vibe to it. Um, which, now, th- here's something I must mention. I did find it strange on the CD that they would put The Other Side and Only You, which are both very similar power ballads right next to each other. I thought, that's a weird fucking choice for a running order. I wonder what they were thinking there. And then I realized, oh, there's a song that doesn't exist apparently because they tried to delete it on this pressing or something. But um, That's interesting. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I think they had like someone else produce that song and it didn't fit the vibe or something. Um, But yeah... Kingdom of Desire, though, that title track is the highlight of this whole album. Good God, what an epic fucking song. Goosebumps, moments, like, all over this song. Uh, And I love that build-up to the breakdown before that awesome, like, slow solo. Um, This is one of those that, like, has has a cashmere vibe to it but even more slow and epic and grinding and heavy. Um, and then finally, to close out the album, is like a eight-minute jazz fusion show-off fest called Jake to the Bone. And it's a long album, but it doesn't bother me on this record like other later uh, 90s albums do. I think it's because it's from 1992, and I just pretty much love anything from that year. Yeah. But, uh, you know... For me, this album, I mean, A, yes, it gets me laid, but B, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I just really love this um, harder edge that they have. And to hear them do like a whole album of mostly it, you know, it, for, for me, it takes a lot of boxes sonically. So uh, that's why this one is my number two. But uh, I still have a, a number one yet to announce. Awesome. So my if so my number two, I'd have to say that if there if there were such a thing as Toto gatekeepers out there, um, they would consider my top two an entry level fan top two <laughs> because it's because um, it literally is like if you can't like you know you see some people sometimes that like they talk about albums and you're just like. Oh, clearly you just started listening to this band. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's great and all, but just give yourself some time. And I think that's how I feel with this too, because it is, um, I feel like the way that I reacted to these two albums is the way I guess a lot of people would have early on and why they were both successful. But um, uh, my number two is uh, Toto 4 from 1982. And um, I don't know what else can really be said about Toto 4. Like it's um, it's a fucking what do you call it? It's an iconic album for yeah. for Toto, <laughs> and it like fucking won them. Did it win them like the Grammy of Album of the Year or some shit like that? Um, but it's like you know Toto blowing up is what this album was. But I think that they blew up for a fucking reason because there's so many great songs on here. But just the fact that you have this album that is bookended with two of their most famous songs that are both really well written songs and really memorable songs. It uh, it just 
it's it, it already gives the album I think a, a heavier weight to it than than some other other stuff. Um, I already talked about Rosanna. It was a big song when I was a kid. You heard it all the time. Um, the the only thing that's interesting about this one for me is that I think when you go from from the Toto album to Hydra to was Turn Back was the third one to Toto Four. This appears to have the softest guitars out of all four of those albums. Yeah. Which um, isn't great because I like loud guitars, but there's something about this album that it feels like the most meticulously crafted pop album ever. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just <laughs> it's almost too perfect in the way that everything's played and the way things are written. It's just like almost like a fucking musical project than a band that had some songs. Like they, they had these mathematical equations. And, you know, if we plug these things in here, we can make the perfect album. Let's do yeah. it. <laughs> and um, I really do think as much as you say that it doesn't stray so far and have as many left turns as the first couple albums do, um, I agree with that, but I think it still does. I just feel like they honed everything in to where they're still swerving to the left and to the right, but they're staying in their lane. They're not like yeah. really like hitting you with a lot of surprises. So it still sounds like it's got that Toto thing. And, um, and the, and the fucking production on this album, like it, some albums, like you listen to it even today and you're like, man, this sounds sonically amazing. Like the yeah. kind of, the kind of albums that you would like test your speakers with. Like, you yeah. know, I want to make sure all the frequencies are there. Put on Toto 4, you know. That's how it sounds to me. But obviously these dudes were all amazing performers and songwriters. And um, honestly, like at this point in their career, four albums in, I'm glad that they had this hit because the, it probably is the big thing that kept them going. Like, I don't know yeah. what, would have, what would have happened, really. Um, but, you know, it's... But, yeah, it's got... All the songs are fucking great, but, you know, you can't talk about this album without Africa because it's just a fucking classic song. And from what I heard was a song that they weren't really that interested in putting on the album or even releasing as a single. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, um, and that, and you know, that song is once again, like had a, a new life given to it from like social medias and stuff. And then the whole thing with Weezer covering Africa, but yeah, um, the cool thing about that whole thing is, is as well, I, I don't know, but Toto uh, is like a friendly kind of jab uh, uh, covered hash pipe. Yeah. As, yeah, as, that was funny. Yeah, cool to see. Yeah, totally. And, and honestly, like any of these bands, like that's the, that's a, we're talking about a chapter in a band's story that most of these artists would never have thought would have happened. Like a really good yeah. example, not talking about Toto, is like recently a fucking Fleetwood Mac song blew up because of a video of a dude on a skateboard drinking juice and they get their song all of a sudden gets this new life. And probably they ended up getting all of these. I'm sure that like most people said, okay, whatever, but I'm pretty sure they got a good amount of new young fans into Fleetwood Mac. And there's no way they could have ever fucking predicted that. And I love the fact that we live in this time. Sure, I wish that the musical climate was more like it was in the late 80s and early 90s. But 
I kind of like the fact that I lived, I'm alive now to see this weird time where it's really hard to predict what's going to happen now. Yeah, I I will say, (laughs) you know, as as much as I pissed and moaned about being trapped as an 80s guy in the 2010s back when I was in, you know, high school and Mm -hmm. college and to some extent university, you know, I I look at it now as, um, you know, I, I would look at modern stuff as if it was my enemy. And now ever since doing the Eddie Sparks thing, I've realized, no, I can use this. I can use this to yeah. kind of revive not only the old vibe, but, you know, bring it into the modern day. Because, you know, there is... There's something really cool about what the internet has done. It's made, you know, finding bands so much easier. You know, obviously, we have yet to find a truly ethical way to compensate <laughs> artists like yeah, we used to. True. But, like, I, I feel like, you know, we're in a better position now than we were in the early 2000s with like the whole Napster thing, you know, it, yeah. nowadays now we, we know how to, we know how to at least cope to some extent, you know, I, yeah. I think, I think what it is, is, is now in the modern day, you have like so many resources at with, but with such ease. And I, and I feel like, you know, with these old bands catching a second wind, who knows, you know, there might be a, a bunch of people that start doing like vintage TikToks and all of a sudden you've got these like 13 year old Gen Z kids that are like, fuck yeah, I like Motley Crue, you know, or or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for it. The the only, I think my only gripe about the modern uh, era of music is the fact that it's, it's sure it's, it's easier for bands to put stuff out and it's easier for you to, find bands and listen to bands, but because there's so much out there, it's harder for bands to really yeah. make a mark. So, yeah. So, you know, and, and back in, you know, when I was younger, sure. Like you had a and R representatives that would go out and sign artists and they would have money put behind an ad campaign or, or videos or whatever they had to put this band in front of you. And sure there were less bands but there was more of an opportunity if you were a really good band and people saw that you were a good band, there was more of a chance of people to actually see that and and you get, you know, you blow up appropriately or whatever. Whereas yeah. now I think that there, there's a lot of artists that I think blow up strictly on social media hype and they yeah. become stars. And then on the other hand, there's a lot of bands that I think are really great and some that we probably even don't know exist because they haven't managed to find that window in. I mean, this is shit. We're, most people have already talked this to death, so it's not anything new. But that's <laughs> the one thing that I do miss is, is the when I do hear a really great band, the first thing I think is, I hope they stay together for more than like two albums. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because that doesn't seem like a thing anymore. But, um, but anyway, heading going back to Toto 4, though, just wrapping it up. Um, this album, to me, like like Turn Back, it just has a vibe that makes it really enjoyable. And um, that alone is enough for me where I'm just like, yeah, there's not as many surprises in it, um, but the songwriting is great and there's 
there's something about it, like I said, that it just feels like it's like a perfectly crafted album. And it's one of those cases where they put out something good and they got properly rewarded for it. And we're still talking about their music today, probably because of this album. And so um, that's why it's my number two, Toto 4. Awesome. So my number one pick is Isolation. Isolation. All right. That was my number five. Yeah. 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 This record is full on 80s AOR and I fucking love it. <laughs> you know, it's the only record they did with Fergie Fredrickson on lead vocals, who uh, happens to be my favorite vocalist they ever had. All right. And they made, you know, coming off of the heels of um, Toto 4, they went in an edgier direction. They kind of like put a little bit more oomph into the guitars, added more um, of the complex song structures again. Um, but yeah, with that, I'm going to jump into my jump into my track by track of this fucking awesome underrated as shit album. Do it. So uh, Carmen is a tune. Great opener. What a cool way to open a record after you open the last one with Rosanna, you know? It's like, hey, you know how we did uh, a pop album? Check this out. Wham! <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. The the rock is 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 back up in the mix. Um Lion has a fun super 80s funky pop rock feel. Um Stranger in Town is a synth-driven hard rocker. Love this one. Um, Angel Don't Cry. Now I did a uh, I did a track of the week on Angel Don't Cry. That series is currently up in the air. I'm working on something. I'm working on something that's going to combine kind of kind of two things into one oh. with that. So that series is kind of getting merged with something else. Okay, cool. So so yeah, uh, essentially this one was good enough to, for the uh, track of the week treatment though. Uh, so this is the type of 80s rock that I am completely in love with. That almost glam metal territory, uh, but also could really fit in the Rocky Four soundtrack thing. Yeah, oh like, yeah. I, I, I love that sort of thing right there, you know. Um, How Does It Feel is a big old ballad. Uh, Endless is so good. What a great song endless is yeah extremely catchy should have been huge really hard song to sing like <laughs> I, I i was i was in my car driving home from work and i thought fuck like i never actually paid attention to how high and powerful the vocals are but this yeah. is why i love fergie Fredrickson, uh because he had this sheer you know there was oomph behind it, but it was way up here, you know? And I mean, not honestly, any, any song not sung by Steve Lukather is hard for me to sing. He's the, he's the <laughs> only vocalist where I hear him and go, yeah. I, I probably could do that. Everyone else. I'm all <laughs> like, don't, I'm not even going to bother. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. Like this is one of those like weird occasions as well, where like, I feel like that's even more fun to be had on like the back half of the album. So here's the thing, right? You get endless, then you get Isolation, which is this great AOR song with this big epic bridge prior to the kick-ass solo in it. There's like plenty of like jun 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 chugs in there, you know, of the... I just love 
um, 80s peddling that jun, 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 jun kind of thing. That yeah. Those sort of riffs like are the key to my heart. I don't so know you, if it's so because you're, like, you're, you, you love it whenever the beginning of summer of 69 comes on. You're just like, yeah! Yeah, 100%. Fuck yeah. Now, here's a like mega deep cut that I feel like would make a really good like prog metal cover and that's mr friendly mm-hmm. has some you know almost prog metal moments in the middle like real intense montage vibes on this one uh it's just such a really intense training montage type song you know <laughs> there, there's just something about it uh there's a real power rock thing behind it some like real fist in the air you know Horns up with one hand, weight in the hand in the other. You know, you're just pumping iron to this shit. Hell yeah. Um, Change of Heart is even more AOR goodness with, like, a great chorus. And then, funnily enough, like, for such a rocking, intense album, they close out with the song Holy Anna, which... um, Another Anna. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which has like kind of this more old school vibe, but I've said this before, like where I kind of like when an album of rockers closes out on something a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. So it kind of it kind of feels like I've said this many times. It kind of feels like a credit sequence where like uh, everything's okay. You had a great time. It's time for a little bit of a cool down. Uh, for you to either compute whether or not you're going to whack another album on or you're going to go about your day and do something else. But I fucking love Isolation and think it deserves way more recognition for being a badass 80s pop rock album. And I have never not gotten goosebumps when that part in Angel Angel Don't Cry where he does the queen of darkness. You got your way with me. Like that, that part there, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, it's I'm just so how mad I'm, that I'm not filming the video of this today. Uh, it, <laughs> so it you're missing so been much, folks. Oh, it would have been a great one. Like I, I just love, I love real epic dramatic stuff. Dramatic. That's how dramatic. I would describe. Yeah. Dramatic. Yeah. Yes. Really, really dramatic record. I would, I'd agree with yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's in my, it's, 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 it, for me, it's in their, their sweet spot top five. So, I mean, it's, you know, they were, they put out great albums five in a row to me. So I, I'm totally with you on this one. Awesome. Um, but my number one, the surprise, surprise is the debut Toto album from hey. 1978, an album that came out the same year that I came out. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, this was just the fact that like when I went into their discography, I just, I did them in order. I listened to all their albums in order. And this one is the, that's a good way to fucking start things out. Cause I was just like, Oh shit, man. I think this is going to be cool. And it was cool for the most part, but, um, I love, honestly, Child's Anthem, the way it begins this album, I wish they had they had began every album with like a theme song, a proggy kind of two-minute 
get ready for some shit kind of song because I just yeah. think it's so cool and it sets up this album so nicely. But then it goes right straight into like you immediately find out right away that oh this band's not really gonna give us what we expect from one song to the next. And you get I'll <laughs> supply the love, which is so fucking good. Such yeah. a fucking good song. Um it reminds me of like stuff that like bands like stars were doing where it's this big yeah. poppy rock stuff. Like it's just it sounds I knew awesome. you'd like that song. I, I knew you'd love that one. It's great. Um, and then for the most part, like I like the vibe of like Georgie Porgy. I just think that one part, it's kind of weird. It takes me out of the song a little bit. I would agree. Yeah. It just it reminds me a little bit of like in the 70s, there were some questionable choices made because of cocaine, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there were some things where like, let's just do this part of this song. And I think I, I'm like, they were probably high. So I'll give them that. <laughs> But, um, but you know, and that, that song was, I think, was a hit back in the day, though. Georgie Porgy. Like, it was, it got in, it got into at least the top 50 or some shit like that. Um, but um, I'm not going to do a track by track here, although there's a lot of great songs. Because Manuela Run is great. Girl Goodbye is probably my favorite on the album. That is yeah. just a big old rocking fun. And the vocals are so good. Like, this, like, Bobby Kimball is such a fucking great singer. And you just throw on some harmonies along with him and it just sounds huge yeah. um, and I love it. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of these songs that weren't hits should have been hits. Like, I don't know why I'll supply the love wasn't more massive than it was. Same thing for Manuela run and, and girl goodbye. Like they all seem like they could have been top 10 hits off of this album. But they did have a big old hit off of this album, and that would have been uh, Hold the Line. I mean, you can't talk about this album without Hold the Line. It is a classic. We already talked yeah. about it. <laughs> but um, the thing that I think is interesting, though, is that right off the bat, the thing I said later about an, uh, earlier about another album, about how it feels like you're flipping through like a radio station and hearing hits of the day, like the, yeah. from the first album, it sounds like that. Like these are all songs that could have been hits, but they all would have been done by different artists, yeah. but all played insanely well. Um, I just think this album is a lot of fun. And um, it's to me, it's like the definitive Toto album because it's like a mission statement on their first album of what they were going to try to do, which was... I guess just like we're a bunch of really talented motherfuckers and we're going to try to make the biggest songs and most perfect songs that we can possibly make without necessarily fitting in to one particular vibe. Whatever we want to do, we're going to do it and we're going to try to do it better than anyone in the world can do it. And it's really apparent on this first album that that's what they were they were trying to do. The interesting thing about this album that I didn't really know at the time was that David Page wrote everything on this album. Yeah, he's he's actually like mega involved in the songwriting process on a good portion of Toto's work. He's he's I think he's actually consistently been very on it with the songwriting even if he doesn't sing on it. Cause yeah, cause I think even the uh, all the other ones. Oh no, he wrote everything on on. Uh, oh no, he didn't write everything on Hydra. Okay, there you go. So um, so yeah, for Toto, like, hold on, it does say. Okay, never mind. No, there are two songs 
with co-writing credits. <clears throat> Bobby Kimball co-wrote You Are the Flower, and Steve Picaro uh, co-wrote Taking It Back. So, um, but still, that's, you know, it's pretty crazy. Because it, it sounds like an album that is an absolute collaborative effort songwriting-wise, and it's yeah. not really. So um, <laughs> it's, re- it's interesting. But this is the one, like, you know, um, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm probably going to be ordering like a vinyl copy of this from 78 just because I'm like, this would sound so good uh, yeah. on my, on my turntable. Cause it's just got everything, all the great shit from 1978 without, you know, venturing into disco territory or anything. Although I wouldn't have minded very much if they had done that too. Yeah. But, um, it's just, yeah, I, I feel like this album is, is, is 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 aged in the way that I love '70s albums when they age? Because obviously, I don't expect it to age in a way where it still sounds fresh today. I want it to sound like the '70s, and this does sound like the '70s, but it still it still comes across to me today as very impressive. So, if I had been alive and old enough to hear this when it came out, it probably would have been something I would have re- been really into because you can't. Sometimes you just can't deny, well, I guess some people can, but you can't deny, a good song is a good song, and a talented band is a talented band, and Toto had both, especially on this album, so that's why it's my number one. Awesome. (laughs) We did it, yeah! Yeah! We did it! it. I love that that's that's a thing now. (laughs) Oh, God. If anybody, if anybody can get me an isolated vocal of just Jaw Rule singing that part and send it to me at oldheadpodcast at gmail dot com, I, I would be forever indebted to you, and you would get a shout out. Because if I can just insert that in all of the podcasts, you just Jaw yeah. Rule jumps in. I would fucking love it. Anyway, hell yeah, um, yeah, that's. So yeah, so this was so, ladies and gentlemen, that was cranked the, and ranked Jaw Rule. <laughs> Well, I don't think we're going to, as much as I love hip hop and I want to do more hip hop artists, I, I, you get later on in hip hop for me. And I'm like, I don't want to do a whole discography of those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> like even some of the best out there, you know, some of the best rappers of the nineties and beyond. I'm like, yeah, they had a lot of misses and I don't really want to have to talk about how bad some other stuff is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, um, but, but this was our big sort of like left turn, um, with Toto, which um, was it didn't really you know doesn't have a whole lot of views on YouTube, but it was it seemed relatively well received. Nobody gave it a thumbs down yet. Um, <laughs> that's something. Um, but um, this has been interesting because it's it's uh, I always like learning about a band that if we hadn't done this podcast, I w- would probably not have learned this much about them. I may have eventually yeah. found my way into listening to their early stuff, but the fact that I know so much about this band now and their entire career, I'm like, that's just now it's going to, it's more, it's forcing more important information out of my head, like mathematics and um, <laughs> how to speak the English language properly. Um, all those things are going to be moved <laughs> out because of all the music knowledge that I have in my head. Um, but that's okay. It's worth it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm able to sacrifice that. Yeah. The, the maths part was, was gone for me long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, 
And uh, the one thing, I have to admit, the one thing, it's not really an, admi- an admission, it's, a, <laughs> it's just a thing. The one thing I kept thinking throughout this whole me listening to their albums and making my notes is I kept thinking, we got to do fucking Rush. Because I was just thinking of a yeah. band, a band that, that I love that, is, that started in the 70s, has the progginess, but they also get pretty damn 80s in the 80s. Yeah. And they and they go well into the 2000s with some quality fucking shit and I'm just like rush has to happen eventually. Yeah. And um because honestly some of their stuff especially when they get in, when you get into the 90s and 2000s with Toto there are elements that remind me of later day rush stuff because rush yeah. kind of grew out of doing the super proggy stuff. And their stuff got a lot more where they were just trying to write really well-crafted songs with just a little bit of the tinges of the proggy stuff in there. And so it yeah. just it reminded me of it a little bit. Um, so hopefully, you know, one day we'll get to that. But no, not yet because we are literally going to go to the completely other end of the spectrum with the next one. But that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> do you have anything to add before we wrap this one up? Uh, next one is going to be brutal. But, uh, Literally. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Literally. Brutal, brutal with two O's. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, um, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing it now, like, the amount of times we're going to say brutal in the next podcast. Yep. That's, a dr- that's the drinking game. That's the drinking game for next episode. We'll have to remember it's, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome so uh once again peanut butter platypus to all of you who are still um watching this and listening to this um i love getting the comments where people say peanut butter platypus or pbp um because uh it's it's nice i, I think mm. i've and i've already ended an episode like this so i don't need to say it again um that's just a thing it's a it's a word that it's a term that i came up with just it's kind of like off the cuff off yeah. the cuff, just like put that in the comments. And so we know that you're one of the people that actually listened to an entire episode. Cause we do, you know, I guess there are longer podcasts out there, but we, we do, you know, we all, we're always at least a 90 minute <laughs> episode. Oh yeah. If not for sure. More. Um, I love how somebody commented on Metallica part one. They were like Metallica part one running time, two and a half hours or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was part one. Anyway, oh, um, yeah. so yeah, we got plenty more shit to come. Um, and eventually there, there are some things that, you know, we'll get around to for sure with different kinds of artists, not necessarily straying that far away from what we normally do. But um, I mean, the sky's the limit for this, man. I, I feel like we're still, we still got enough steam in us that there's no, there's no um, end in sight, really. So I, I got to say, I think the show just gets better and better. We, we, we've got to the point now where we have uh, inside jokes, you know? I, th- yeah. I, think that's a, I think that's a sign that the train's got to keep on rolling and uh, the peanut butter platypie got to keep on peanut butter platypussing. It's going to keep you know it rolling saying? all night long as, as well, I, I would say Aerosmith, but they didn't write that song, but still. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, let's let one. Well, we won't keep you here any longer. We appreciate you listening to to our us talk about Toto. Um, obviously, put some comments if you're on YouTube and let us know uh, what you thought. 
And um, we'll we'll be back again next week with a brutal episode. And so on that note, Mr. Eddie Sparks, please take us out. Later, dude. Da-na-na-na. 